we are kind of, we finished our series on mini church, and so we're, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and I got a kind of a topical teaching tonight, the one I think is really important, really important reminder, especially considering we are trying to bring the hope of this world, which is Jesus Christ, it says it in scripture, we're trying to bring him into this world, which means as we go out there and we go after people, and people start coming up into our church here, and into in this building, but also the church of God all around the world, which is the body of Christ, the body of believers, we've got to realize that the kind of people that we're going after, they don't all look like us. They don't all smell like us. They don't all operate, act, dress, whatever like us. And so I wanted tonight to just be a reminder for us that the church is a holy hospital and that we remember to look at ourselves and this building and the body of Christ as a hospital. There's a famous quote that says, church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum of saints. Have you guys ever heard that? It's a hospital for sinners. That means broken people and messed up people and people with problems and baggage and hang-ups and, and troubles and guilt and depression and loneliness and addictions and all of that would be able to come to church, not just this building, but to the gathering of believers, to God's people, and that they would find Jesus and Jesus would begin a restoration and a healing process in their lives and that they would become closer to knowing him and growing in him because of people like us that are open to broken people like that. So here's a, um, here's a verse I want to share with you guys, and this is the main verse for tonight is, Jesus had just met this um, crooked tax collector named Levi in the Bible, if, if you remember in the Gospels, and Levi's name was actually changed to Matthew, one of his disciples, but Levi was a tax collector. He was a Jewish tax collector. He was of his own people, but he worked for the Roman government, which kind of, to the Jewish people, meant you're kind of a traitor. And tax collectors back in Bible times were a little bit crooked, meaning like, hey, I'm going to take a little bit because you owe me this much, but I'm going to take a little extra for myself. And the, the people, they were like, not the, the most um, blessed and loved people in society, right? So Jesus said, you know what, man? Come follow me. I'll change your life. And so Levi decided, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow Jesus. But Here's where we pick up the story in Mark 2, verse 15. It says, later, Levi, this tax collector that Jesus, you know, called and invited to come hang out with him, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Now, get this. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline this right here. This is the key. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers, Okay. Don't forget that, that we think that Jesus collected all these people and they're all following him, but it actually says most of the people that followed Jesus were the shady ones, were the disreputable, were the ones that the society looked at as like, what, you, you know, why are you hanging out with this guy? These were, there were many of people like of this kind among Jesus' followers. Verse 16 says, but when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Okay, that's gnarly. Yeah, these, these tax collectors just calling people, I mean, the Pharisees just calling these tax collectors and these people scum. How come Jesus, who's supposed to be this holy guy, how come he's hanging out with those dirty bunch of scum, scummy people? When Jesus heard this, he told them, and this is what our sermon is about tonight, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. This is the kind of church I want to be in. Amen? Yeah. 
if I call myself a follower of Jesus Christ and I know that most of the guys that hung out with Jesus were the broken and the messed up that were on their way to finding healing and restoration and new life, then I better be a church that is full of broken and messed up people. Amen? And so as we look at this, there was a time I was talking with Pastor Tom and he says, he goes, you know, there was a time I remember in our church when we were growing really fast and it was back in like the late 80s, early 90s. We were meeting in Ben Parker School. Anybody remember from back in the day? We were over there, right? And the church was growing and all of this. But uh, we did this thing. There was a big problem with, with drugs and, and dope and Kanyoli and the Windward Side and everything. And we made these stickers that said, ice don't make you cool, right? And it was our, our like anti-ice campaign. And we were there to like change the world and help the, the, the druggies find Jesus and get, get healing and all that. But because of that, and because those kind of people were actually coming to our church, we started getting this reputation around town as, you know, they renamed us Dope Chapel. People are like, oh, what? You go to Dope Chapel. Oh, that church, all, all my drug dealer friends go there, blah, 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 you know, all of that. So we got this reputation. And Tom, Pastor Tom was remembering because we were, we were younger guys back then. We, we took offense to that. We're like, what? That's an awesome church. Why? Don't call us Dope Chapel, you know? Hope Chapel, Hope Chapel, right? <laughs> and so we're like, no, it's Hope Chapel. And we were, took offense. And then this is what Pastor Tom said. And I love this. I love my dad all the more for it. He goes to my dad. Who's, who's seen, senior pastor, lead pastor at the time, right? And he says, Pastor Ralph, it's so junk that they're calling us Dope Chapel. And then my dad says this, no, it's good. I'm glad they call us Dope Chapel. And Tom's like, what? What do you mean? He goes, because that means we're known for the fact that all the dopers are coming to our church and we're reaching them with the love of Jesus Christ. Let them call, it, let them call us that. We'll take that because that's who comes to our church because those people need Jesus. And so he said, Tom said, it changed his whole paradigm of thinking is that, we shouldn't be a museum for saints, holy people coming to talk about how holy and glorious we are. No, we should be about the most messed up people because messed up people are the ones that Jesus came for, amen? And not to mention that, but there's not any of us in this room that is not messed up or broken in some way, shape, or form, amen? Right, anybody sitting next to perfect people? I don't think so, right? We all got stuff to deal with. So the message tonight is we're all messed up, we all got baggage, but praise God, we have the great physician. That God is the great doctor. He's a great healer. Jesus is our healer. So we go to him. And so this is what the word is. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. That is Jesus. That is our God. That is the example that he left for us. So tonight, I hope, will cause you to think just a little bit. Cause you to be a little bit more maybe sensitive and introspective in yourself and go, am I falling into a thing that says that there's some people that are better than other people in God's kingdom? I gotta be careful. Is, is my church a place that I think that it's where I go to hide from the world? Or do I understand that my, my church is actually the hope for the world? And that we're hoping that all of these people will come and be a part of us and they will find the saving, redeeming power and love of Jesus Christ, right? The church has gotta be a hospital. It's always gotta be about the hurting, broken, messed up people finding healing in Jesus' name. And so here's where we go. Here we're going to talk about, first of all, look at your notes, Jesus, the great physician. Okay, so if we're looking at church as a hospital, one of the things we got to understand first of all is our boss, the head physician on staff, he's the man, it's Jesus, it's only Jesus. We all kind of, as we get healing and as, as we come and we're trying to reach out to other people, in essence, the Christians become the doctors, but we got to understand that there's only one great physician and his name is Jesus. That's why we exalt his name. We lift his name up high. We sing about him. We preach from his word. It's all about Jesus. But if we're thinking about doctors now in hospitals, here's the thing I want you to write down about Jesus, the great physician. Number one, he comes highly recommended. 
okay? Jesus comes highly recommended. That's why our testimonies are so important if we want to introduce people to Jesus. Because how many of you guys, have, as you go to your, your dentists or your doctors, the way that you found your dentist or your doctor was because someone else said that they were pretty good? How many of you guys would say that like, hey, you know what? I don't just sign up for any doctor. I ask people, anybody go to doctor so-and-so? Anybody here? Who's a good dentist? You know, because I don't want to get my teeth ripped out and crazy stuff happen. Like, who do you know, right? Most of us, that's what we were concerned about is, is like, hey, I'm going to this doctor. You know anything about him? Or I want to go sign up through referrals. But here's the thing about Jesus. He comes highly recommended. We need to remember this is that Jesus, the great physician, he does live up to all the hype. He is the man. He is the one and only person son of God that has healing for every type of hurt that's out there. Amen? Amen. Not just for some, and we don't go, oh, he's pretty good, he's good. No, no, we need to recognize it's all about Jesus. He's the great physician. Some, one of my friends walked into my office today, my friend Kim, Kim Penarosa. Is Kim, Kim, are you here tonight? I don't know if he stuck around. Yep, Kim is right here. Brother Kim just made my day today. He walked into my office today, and he says this, just, just real quick, he always volunteers at the church. He's a full servant, loves God. He's been coming to the church how many years? Two? Two years. He said, he walked in today. He goes, hey, hey, bye. You know, a couple years ago when I started coming here, I was like, yeah. He goes, I had MS. I was diagnosed with MS. I couldn't walk a lot. I couldn't do all this. He goes, I just found out from my doctor. It's in remission. He goes, and now I listen. He says, I just walked all 18 holes of a golf course yesterday, poly golf course, with no pain, no problems. I haven't done that in four or five years. He goes, my body is healed. He goes, my insides is what healed first. God healed my heart. I started digging into his word. I started taking up prayer. I started going to prayer and healing. I went to services. God surrounded me with godly people. I'm in a Bible study. I'm in a mini church. I'm just so, I'm completely surrendered to God. And it was at that point that God started changing me from the inside out. He says he met with his son the other day, right, for breakfast or something. And his son, 35 years old, said, Dad, something is different about you. I notice it. I notice it in the way you look. I notice it in the way you walk. Something is changing. God is doing something in your life. And sure enough, he went to the doctor. And the doctor's like, yeah, you're MS. It's in remission. And here's Kim out there walking miles on a golf course doing his thing. Because why? Because we serve the great physician. Because Jesus is the one. If we have a hospital, we know who's in charge. And we know that Jesus has the power to change anybody's circumstance. So you might, it might be physical healing. It might be emotional healing. You might be coming in here tonight because you're scarred pretty bad. There's been some stuff that you've been through. Well, I've got to tell you this. There's one physician that has the cure, that has the medicine, that has the treatment for every situation that you're going through. If it's finances and you're hurting and you're struggling, Jesus has an answer for you. If it's physical healing, if it's emotional healing, if it's relationships, if it's whatever, Jesus is the answer. We serve a great physician who comes highly recommended. That's why I encourage Kim, I encourage anybody in this room, if Jesus has healed you, if you know the great physician is real, you better tell somebody. You better let people know that we have the answer to cancer, right? We actually do. Yeah, it doesn't happen all the time, and I don't understand why sometimes you pray it works, sometimes you think it doesn't, sometimes it happens way later, sometimes God tells you wait. doesn't matter. We know it's possible because God does it, so we ask all the time, right? We just ask. We know he's the, the one. Here's what Habakkuk 3.2 says. It says, Habakkuk speaking, he says, I have heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by, and in your anger, remember your mercy. Here's Habakkuk going, you know what? He comes highly recommended. 
I've heard all about you, God. I heard of all the stuff you can do. So right now, I'm in hurt, I'm in need, I'm in trouble. I'm coming to your hospital because you're the one that can save us. You're the one that can meet our deepest need. We need to know that Jesus is the one. He comes highly recommended. It's only him. Here's the second thing write down. Only Jesus can bring healing to every hurt. We all need healing, but we need to know that he's the one that can meet all the problems. And what I mean by that is, Stop trying to go fix stuff on your own. Stop trying to play doctor for yourself, but realize that Jesus is the only one that can heal everything that hurts you. And there's a lot of times we want to go to the, the doctor, but we're like, nah, you know what? I got this pretty good home remedy. If I mix a little bit of, you know, like eucalyptus and I put a little honey and cayenne pepper and spit and I don't know, you know, but we have these dumb things, right? Like, oh no, I can heal myself. Let's mix this together and put it on our wound and we do it and then, and then what happens sometimes it just gets more inflamed and it gets infected and we're like, oh, I thought that would work. Stop trying to solve your own problem. Stop trying to heal yourself. Go to Jesus who's the great physician. Save all that time, all that headaches and no home remedies, no home concoctions, no, I got a secret formula my friend worked out in the back room somewhere. Never mind that stuff right? We do the self-help books. We do all of this and we go, now nah, I'm just going to wait. And I think I got, just go to Jesus. He's the only one that can bring healing to every hurt. Luke 4:18 says this, this is Jesus talking about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is saying, I'm the guy. I live up to the hype. I am the son of God. He's not bragging on himself. He's just saying, this is my purpose. This is my calling. This is what I was born to do, what I came to do. Turn to me if you want help. Are you oppressed? Are you held captive? Are you hurting? Are you blind? Are you, you, you stuck in some stronghold in your life? Jesus is going, I'm right here. Just come see me. I am the great physician. I came for the messed up. And the sooner our church really starts to look like we are full of messed up people, the sooner we're kind of in alignment with what Jesus came to do and we really are his Christ followers, amen? Remember that we're supposed to look messy. Now we're not supposed to stay messy. We're supposed to come as broken, messed up people who are finding healing, but we gotta be a church that looks like a hospital. It's full of broken people. We gotta get used to that. In fact, I think we should expect it and we should actually go farther than that. We should pray for it. We should pray that all the broken people come because some of us are like, you know, it's cool, but there's a couple shady people in the room. I hope I don't sit next to them tonight. I hope I'm not over here like that. You know, we got these little weird things and I'm saying we need to scrub that stuff off because we're no better than anybody else. We all need that great physician. And so as we're sitting here, we ought to actually go, God, I'm gonna expect if we're doing things right, more of those kind of people are gonna come. And God, you know what? I'm gonna actually pray that they come because that means that we're gonna bring more of your light and your love and your Holy Spirit to this community, Lord bring them. I hope you bring them. And then even beyond that, God, I thank you that those kind of people are coming to this church because it's so easy to forget that we're actually those kind of people. Amen? We, we can't be separating that kind of stuff. What I mean by that is there's sometimes stuff in church that goes down. Last week, someone's wallet got stolen out of their purse in this service or after this service or something. Over $100 got stolen in cash, found the wallet in the bathroom. Now, I don't know if that was you and you're, and you're in the room tonight and that's a bummer. I feel bad. That girl lost all this money and I know a couple friends that are like, we're gonna help her and I, I, I know there's some anonymous people in the church that are like, we're gonna kind of pool some money we're gonna help out this girl. And I thought, that's awesome. And I thought, that's such a bummer that someone would steal in church. And let me tell you this though, that's the kind of people that need to be in church. 
is the thieves, is the broken. Now, I'm not rejoicing that someone's money got stolen, but I'm saying we need to be on our game a little bit and hide our purses a little bit better because if we're attracting the kind of people Jesus wants us to attract, that stuff's bound to happen around here. You guys get what I'm saying? I'm not condoning it or saying, yeah, go get rich off someone else's expense. I'm saying we got to expect and be careful because that's the kind of people that Jesus wants to reach the most. That's who he came for, right? Now, it's not okay that that happened, but on the other hand, that's bound to happen if we expect that we're actually being a hospital to broken people. You guys get what I'm trying to say here? I've had times in the youth service before where I've had people that were, had mental deficiencies and broken things in their brain. And one time I was in the front row and Trevor guys was back when I was a youth pastor, they're up here leading worship. And one of my friends has got mental problems. He's a broken person. He jumps up on stage and he's running around stage in the background and he's singing a little bit. And then he, he runs into a closet we had over here and I hear stuff breaking in there and everyone's, Trevor's like, uh, right? Kids are freaking out. It's only the youth service. There's no adult ushers. Like kids are like, I'm only in ninth grade. What do I do, you know? <laughs> Next thing you know, stuff's breaking. He's like just on a frenzy, breaking stuff. So I run over, like the adult in the room, I run over, I get in the closet. He's smashing stuff. He climbs up into the rafters. We had speakers hanging up over here. He pushes the whole tower down into the seats. Kids are scrambling. It was like chaos, you know? And then we had to go and someone, one of his other friends had to get him, calm him down and called his parents. We took him home. But you know what? That's kind of supposed to happen in church. <laughs> now, I hope it doesn't happen all the time, but if we're loving on people and we're reaching out to people like that because no one else in the world knows what to do with those kind of people, then I think we're being who Jesus called us to be. And that guy became one of my best friends. That guy that had that episode became one of my disciples' best friends. I baptized him. He actually, it's my, it was my friend David Alou. He actually passed away at an early young age because he was over here in the mental hospital. And that was heartbreaking, but on the other hand, I was like, God, thank you for relieving him of the mind that he lived in. I know he's with you, but that was a hard thing, but that was a, a weird time. But you know what? That didn't stop our church from loving all over that guy. And that youth group had that much more sympathy and love for that guy because he had to deal with that kind of stuff. You guys get what I'm saying? Yeah. Church is for broken people. Some of us come here in here with anger problems, with arrogance, with critical spirits. Some of us are lonely. Some of us are suicidal. Some of us got a pretty good life, but we're hiding a couple things, right? And we may look real good on the outside. It doesn't matter. Jesus has the power to heal you, whatever you got, wherever you're at. And the church, the body of Christ, needs to be a hospital that is doctors and nurses working for the great physician. Um, and and um, so we need to expect that that's going to happen. Here's another thing I want you to write down. The doctor can't bring healing unless you admit something's wrong. Something I've learned is that, is that Jesus can't do much for you in, unless you're willing to surrender and admit that you got problems. And um, what I love about the verse that we read in, in Mark earlier, it says, I've not come to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. When you come to church knowing that you got stuff to work on, that's when God can work in your life. If you come to church thinking you got it all together, then there's not much more God can do for you because you're kind of running your own show. But one of the things we need to remember is that the doctor only brings healing when you actually admit that something's gone. I once saw uh, a surfer on the Marine base. We were out surfing at North Beach. I saw a guy get rescued by a lifeguard. And he was out swimming and he went too far, didn't have fins, got stuck in the under the current or whatever and he started panicking and he was like losing it and so the lifeguard ran down the beach and he went after the guy and he went to, to grab the guy and to save him and here's the weird thing is the guy didn't want to be saved 
he was drowning, but his pride wouldn't let him receive help. And so the lifeguard came, and he's like pushing the lifeguard away and everything, and finally he was so exhausted, he had to give up. And you know what happened? That's only, only then when he gave up is when the lifeguard could actually grab him and swim him all the way in. And then here's what happened. When he got to the beach and the guy got on his feet, he started swinging at the lifeguard as if the lifeguard did something wrong. And see, we need to be careful that the church is a place that God, you can go to, that God can heal you, but we have to be under the assumption that I'm not gonna try to do things my way. I'm gonna admit that I got stuff to work on, that I need God's help. And when you surrender, that's when the great physician can work. Amen? And so I don't think any of us have ever completely outgrown the fact that we always need a Lord and Savior in our lives every day. And so we always need to remember, like, for the great physician to work, I've got to admit that I've got stuff that's wrong. We need to trust the doctor and his treatment because sometimes the healing might come quickly. You come to church, hey, Jesus, I need healing. I need this. I need help. He might do something miraculous for you. I've seen that happen. But we got to be willing to say, I trust the great physician enough that this might be long and it might be painful, and it might be confusing, but I'm going to trust him anyway. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 8 through 10. It says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He's going, look, you knew we went into trouble. He says, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Is that Paul learned that he thought he trusted God enough, but he got into some, some hardships, some trouble, some struggles, and he realized that he could trust God more and he needed to press in more even if he under, didn't understand it. God, it looks like I'm about to die. But that's when he learned to let go and to rely on God alone. And God rescued him, and God will rescue him, and God will continue to rescue him every time. But we need to learn to put that trust in God and in his treatment. See, sometimes in life, you, myself, okay, I think I trust God a lot. I've been a Christian all these years. I'm a pastor. I preach it. I read my Bible every day. I'm like in there. I got good trust for God. And then you know what happens? The world beats you up. Stuff comes flying your way. The enemy throws something at you. And suddenly you realize, Oh, my trust isn't as strong as I thought it was. And so what do you do? You get to the place where you're so broken down, you have nothing else to rely on except God. And that's when you realize, oh, this trust thing, it's, it's there, but it needs to get stronger. And when, when Paul was taken to those hard places and he learned that trusting God was the only way out of it, it built his trust and it got him stronger so that he can go through the next time and he could share with other people how good it is to trust his God. There's been times in my life I think my trust is good enough and God goes, let me just put that in check because I want you to be better, Carl, than you are right now. Your trust is good. I'm going to make your trust stronger. Trust the great physician. Trust in him and trust in the treatment. And it, it may be a process that you have to go through. And here's the second big point I want to make. First of all, um, Jesus is the great physician. But here's the second one is in our hospital, in our church here in the Christian world, our doctors are still patients. Why? Because we are the doctor's right? But we're still a work in progress. And we may be out setting out like Hope Chapel, we're going to save the world, we're going to do all this stuff, but we got to always understand and stay humble enough to realize, but we're still patients ourselves. <laughs> we don't have it all together. We're trying to do this. We're trying to heal other people. Why? Because God has healed us. We're out here trying to be doctors and love on other people only because God has loved on us. So we don't want to be these kind of high, mucky-to-muck, judgmental doctors thinking we have the answers to everything. 
without remembering the fact that, wait, we're still kind of broken and it's kind of patience ourselves. Uh, look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. It says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And here's what Paul says, and I am the worst of them all. That's what made Paul so great. Wasn't that he was a great speaker and he, he was an apostle and he did all this stuff, is that he understood that all that he had to offer was a reflection of what God had already given him. He goes, Jesus came to save sinners. In fact, I'm the worst of all. That he was able to preach in such a way that people didn't take him as like, you think you're awesome, you think you're perfect, you think you're this. Paul came in there and he goes, hey, you know what, Jesus can save you. How do I know this? Because he saved me. Because I'm still a work in progress. That the doctors can become, or the doctors are still patients. He says in verse 16, but God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God, amen. And we gotta understand that our lives are never so together and so perfect that we could ever snub our noses and think that we're just a blessing to someone else, that we can always come to someone's level. And the reason our message is so powerful is because it's still continuing to work in our own lives. That we should never get to the point where we get uh, judgmental, I guess, and arrogant to think that we're better than anybody else, but to realize that all we got to give away is the fact that God has already kind of done this in my own life, amen? Um, <laughs> write this in your notes, we are wounded healers. Someone, I actually read a book on that that was called The Wounded Healer. But it says, it, we are wounded healers. That means we're still a work in progress. I love what I hear in Alcoholics Anonymous. I love the fact that I have friends that are like 20-something years sober. But when I talk to them about alcoholism, they say, they say that they're still a recovering alcoholic, that they're still in recovery. They have been clean and sober for 20-something years, but they say, no, I'm still in recovery. You know why they say that? It's because they know if left to their own devices without getting the treatment and the help that they need, they could fall right back into that old sin. And we as Christians need to remember, let's never get so high up there and snobby that we don't forget that we are still prone to falling right back into the sin ourselves and that the only reason why we're here to share God's love and speak for him is because we are constantly receiving treatment that we are constantly in the word of God, that we are constantly in prayer, that we are constantly inviting the Holy Spirit into our lives to convict us, to lead us into all truth, to love on us, to, to direct our, our actions, that we are in fellowship with other Christians that are keeping us accountable, that we are out there on our knees praying to God every day, having a personal relationship with him, that we take the treatment of coming into worship and spending that time worshiping someone who's bigger and better than ourselves and not thinking that we know all the answers, right? But because we continue to be in treatment, we understand that when I'm called to reach out to someone else who's broken, I'm not too far off myself, which means my pride is down and I can meet on common ground with people and I can love on them in such a way that says, I understand because I'm a doctor kind of to you, but I'm really a patient myself. Is that good? If we'd come to people at that level, we'd, we'd remember I'm a healer because I have the healing power of Jesus, but I'm, I'm kind of wounded myself and I'm, I'm going through stuff. Here's what Romans 3.23 says. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. It's basically saying, remember who you are, where you come from. That you might be a doctor, I'm gonna use you for that, but you're still a patient too. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And it's not a matter of, well, he sinned or she sinned. It's that always that like, well, we sinned. 
what, what is common to you is sin for all mankind, and we're all a work in process. Praise God for Jesus, but we've all been there. So we stay humble. We don't judge. We don't condemn. We don't ignore people and their hurts and their problems. We bring them into our family. We bring them into our mini churches. We bring them into our tent here that we meet in, right? The house of God. There's room for everybody because we're kind of all caught up in that. Now, as we offer that kind of grace and that forgiveness and acceptance, here's what we also got to kind of be aware of is we're not, we're not condoning the sin in their lives. We're not saying that, hey, you can come in here and I can relate to you, keep on sinning. 1 Corinthians 5 is pretty clear about setting the standard of what is sin and taking a stand for sin, but here's what we believe. We're not gonna condone the sin in someone's life, but we're gonna accept that grace is a process in people's lives. Does that make sense? That, that the grace that is for those people that Jesus gives sometimes is a process and the minute they come into church, they're not gonna be perfect. They may still go on struggling with some sins for a while. Our job is to love them, is to push them to Jesus Christ who cleans them up and gets it out of their system, but we need to accept them as they are, as they come in, love them enough to get healing for them in their lives. Um, I think of it like this. The church is not just a shelter for sinners. We can sin and we can still be all messed up and broken and just come there. What, what the church is about is we're in the business of healing and transformation. That means we're supposed to accept everybody in as they are, one another, but we're not gonna let them stay there. You know the motto, one of the mottos of our church, one of the slogans we have is, Hope Chapel, we promise to love you as is. And I just wanna add on to that slogan that we've had forever. We promise to love you as is, but we won't let you stay there. We're not gonna let you came in like that, but we expect that when you meet Jesus, good stuff's gonna happen, he's gonna change you. Yeah, we accept you as you come in, as you're broken and whatever. We understand there's a process of grace, but we also expect that you're gonna get better because you're meeting with the great physician, because the Holy Spirit's moving in your life, because you're interacting with the word of God, which brings life and clarity and transformation, right? So we expect that you're gonna get better, but we're gonna accept you just as you are. That means we're aware of, people's clothes and the language, the words that they use, and we're gonna have grace on that because people are, are new Christians and they're, they're not completely cleaned up. In fact, none of us are, but I know that we have a tendency sometimes to judge hardest those inside our own church and the, you know what they wear and the things. I told you guys before about the guy that was in the back of the room and I would say stuff and everybody else was saying amen and he's saying, F yeah. He's going, yeah, F yeah, mother F -er. And he's in the back right there. Friday night service, and I'm like, oh, yeah, right on, good, you know? <laughs> we have to welcome people like that into our church. Why? Praise God, he's here. He could be somewhere else saying that to someone else, but he's saying that to the good things and the truth he's hearing in the word of God. God's still in the process of grace of cleaning up his language, right? So we give him grace for that. We love on him, praise God, they're here. People used to get down on me when I was a youth pastor and like, how come your kids dress like that? The girls dress kind of this and the guys, you know, the girls is too tight, the guys is too loose and you know, whatever. And they'd criticize all the clothes and i go, but praise God they're in the house of God today, amen? amen? Praise God they're hearing scripture, they're hearing truth, they're accepting the love of most of the people in the church except you, but <laughs> those people are gonna love them into changing their lives and then you know what? Grace is a process, God is gonna do stuff in their lives, amen? So we gotta have a little bit of, of leeway and room to see, let's let God work on them. Let's not try to be the, the Jesus police. Let's let the Holy Spirit do what he needs to do, amen? Um, and, then, and then as doctors, we cover everything with love. 1 Corinthians 13, verses one, two, three says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I'd only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. 
If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. Say nothing. nothing. That's how important love is. If we could do all this awesome stuff with no love, nothing. That's nothing we'd be. Verse three says, if I gave everything I have to the poor, then even sacrifice my body, then I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. That's so heavy. You know what that saying is that? If we as doctors, as we go out there to bring healing to other people's lives, just make sure that you cover every conversation you have, every interaction you have with other people, every welcoming spirit and hug and love and all, make sure it's all done in love. Make sure you're not just talking to people, giving them advice, but you're kind of judging them or you're kind of snobby looking down on them, condescending towards them. If you cover everything that you do and you say in love, even when you're arguing at someone else in the church or you have something to do, but you're going, God, you know what, this is hard right now, but because of you, you love me, you have patience for me, I'm gonna have patience for this guy. So I'm just gonna cover this situation in love. I'm arguing right now and I can agree to disagree, but I still love that brother because they're seeking you. That means they're in my family. He's a brother in the Lord. Amen? And so that if we can cover, this is how I look at it. Again, hospital terms. You know that up until, I don't know how many years back, but it keeps getting better and better, the standard of cleanliness in medical treatment, you know, back in the day that they used to operate on someone and guys would be like picking their nose and working on stuff and, you know, scratching and whatever, and they just ate a sandwich and they're working on people, right? And they would wonder why, oh, we, we thought we fixed it, but he got infected and he died. What happened? Right, and they would use like, um, let's, let's go in the war and we gotta like um, sew this guy up and we gotta cut some stuff and then just take that, like, oh, let me swipe it on my shirt, let me go get on the next guy, right? And they had no idea uh, how important like cleanliness, right? And that germs could spread an infection. They'd say, well, you got this little sickness. How come this guy got sick again? They weren't washing their hands. They weren't using masks. Nowadays, we do all of this, right? The aprons, the gloves, the mask. You sterilize every instrument before you use it. You know, the whole deal. And this is what I think that love is. I think that love is the great coverall, like the sterilization, like the cleanliness, like the hand sanitizer, is that love prevents infections, if you go to operate on another person, if you go to have a conversation with them, give them advice, help them grow in the Lord, that healing, it, it may be prone to infection unless you cover everything with love. Does that make sense? That you're actually going, that's the thing that's gonna prevent it from getting weird. I'm gonna go talk to this guy and try to help him out in life, but you know what? I'm doing it with a wrong spirit and with judgmentalism, and I'm gonna hurt things, and that person might get mad, and everything might get infected and just ruin that relationship. But if I clean up and wash up and get protected with love and I bring love in there, then love's gonna prevent infection and bad things from happening in the body of Christ. That makes sense? So love is that for us and that we need to be covered in love in everything that we do. And another thing that we do as, um, as doctors, where, as we, where are we at down here? We make house calls. I love this, that we are not just about, and this is what we're talking about, hope in the world. We're not just about sitting here in our hospital hoping that people would come up here when they see problems. That we're a church that believes in, we're gonna go into many churches, we're gonna go into people's lives, we're gonna pray with people on the spot wherever they are, we're gonna go after people. If we hear that someone is hurting, we're gonna go do something about it. We're gonna be like the paramedics we're gonna be like doctors that make house calls. We're gonna to go to where people are hurting. We're gonna look into our bag of medicine and tricks and we're gonna go, oh, here's what you need. You need some scripture. Boom, here's the word of God. Let me share with you this. Oh, here's the other instrument I can use on you. Prayer. I'm gonna pray the Holy Spirit's power in your life right now. Oh, here, you know what you need? You just need some fellowship. You just need to vent. Here's my listening ear, my shoulder to cry on. You just got fellowship in the love of the body of Christ in you and that you would be willing, you and I, 
we realize that this church building isn't the hospital, but the body of Christ and the Christians as we go out into the community, we make house calls, amen? We go after people. We answer the phone at three in the morning when someone's going, my life's falling apart right now. I'm freaking out. I'm thinking of taking my life. We answer that phone and we minister our treatment, which is from the great physician himself, and we save people's lives. But we do make house calls. We do get out of this world and we do all the stuff that we do. And then here's... Um, the last point that I have, which I think is pretty cool, is our patients can become doctors. That all of us at one time or another were patients. And now we have the opportunity to become doctors. Now, I kind of wrote this specifically. Our patients don't just become doctors. We can become doctors. Because a bunch of us have been patients and we've been healed and God's doing stuff, but we choose not to go any farther than our own personal healing. And so the opportunity is there and God's give us, given us the healing and he's given us his message and his power to go do stuff with other people. But sometimes we just think, I just need to go to church because I just need to get filled up as long as I'm okay. And the challenge I want to make to you guys here today is that you would choose to be a patient that becomes a doctor. That you would choose to be a patient that's been broken but been healed and been given hope in life and now you realize I work for that physician, but I'm a doctor or a nurse on staff too, and my job is to go take what I have and to give it to other people. Amen? Amen. You, you got to make the decision to be a patient that becomes a doctor and not just stay a patient that's cured. But you need to say, I'm going to go take the hurt that I have that's turned into hope and give that to other people. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. Now, here's, here's the interesting part the patient becomes doctors. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. I put this to my own note to myself. Our hurts can become helps. Our hurts can become helps. When we surrender to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, our great physician, or we come to church and the other people in the church become doctors and nurses and they help give us the power of Jesus and we're like, wow, my hurt has turned into healing now we have the opportunity to become doctors ourselves and go, now I can go and help someone else. Now I can go and bless someone else. See, in church, through Jesus, the wounds that we come in here with, some of you guys came in here, you're wounded right now. I know it. That's what church is for. It should be about people coming in wounded. You're hurting. Something just happened to you today. You've been going through something the past year in your life. Something's going on in your home. Whatever, you're wounded. But the amazing thing is you came here to meet with a great physician. He's gonna do the healing process that he does so well and as that wound gets healed, it turns into a scar. And I love scars. Anybody got good scars on their bodies? You got some cool scars you're proud of? Like, yeah, this is an awesome scar you got. I look at my body and I think of all this stuff. I got this like striped scar right here. I remember I was moving from California back to Hawaii and it was at night in the container. I was loading the container. We're moving back to Hawaii. Yeah, loading my furniture. Then I had this lantern that was burning out. I went to reach for something and I just, pss, just seared it. And I remember I was like, Ah, and I still have that scar today. Every scar tells a story, yeah? You guys remember every scar that's on your body and everything that you have? Think about it this way. Spiritually speaking, is Jesus came to turn those wounds into scars, but they're not scars just there for you to go, wow, I have a scar because I'm healed. The scars, like in, with, in this case here, every scar tells a story. Every scar that you have in your life tells a story of God's healing power in your life. 
And you have that as your testimony to share with other people what not to do, how to do it better. Here's what I learned from this. My God is good. I used to have a wound. It's now healed. It's now a scar. Let me show you that scar and tell you so I can help you in your life. Is that good? So scars become valuable to us. So just because you've been in places where you've been broken and you come to church and you're like, man, my life's been a mess. My life's a wreck. You know what? God is going to turn that around so that that hurt gets healing and it turns into hope for someone else. Like my friend Kim that told me, man, I'm healed from the inside out. MS is healed. My heart is healed. All this stuff. I said, you better tell people, Kim. You better tell other people because there's other people sitting in church going, when's my healing going to come? And you can say, you know what? I've got some scars. I used to be wounded, but they're scars now. They're all healed. They're all good. But let me show you the scars. They tell a story of my God's healing power in my life. I love that, that we have those scars. It's in, in God, you know, he never wastes a hurt. He uses us to become set apart for his purposes. Philippians 1, verse 12. This is a neat one. It's, it says, Paul's writing, he goes, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. That means he said, you know what? What was intended for trouble and hardship and my imprisonment and that's tough stuff, I was wounded, I was stuck in jail. You know what happened? God turned it around. He healed it. He turned it into a scar. And now it tells a story. Now the message has prospered even further because people took notice of what happened to me. God has that power to do that in your life if you will let him. He can heal you, but he wants you, the patient, to become a doctor that can share with other people. Here's what I learned from my broken marriage that was healed. Here's what I learned from, from this problem I had at work. There was a time when I had no money. God came through for me. There's a scar still. That was a tough, hurtful time. But God could do that for you as well. And we get the opportunity to share that with someone, someone else. The church is a hospital. Amen? And we've got to see it like that. We've got to see that Jesus is the only source for healing. But we, as the doctors that work for him, got to realize we never get so judgmental and look down on other people because we've got to remember we're patients ourselves. God's still doing a work in us. And we gotta have some grace and some love and some, some forgiveness for other people that are coming. And as people do get healed, that they realize, I'm, I'm a work in progress, I'm broken, but I can go from being a broken person into giving hope away because God can turn those hurts around and he can turn them into something amazing to be used for his kingdom. Amen? Here's what I wanna do right now. I wanna close with this. I wanna close by praying a prayer. I'm gonna ask you guys to all bow your heads and we're gonna pray but I want to do something as we do that. Let's bow our heads and pray, but as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I want to pray a special prayer because the church is a hospital. I want to pray for anybody in the room that you know you're broken right now. And it may be a lot of people, maybe a few of you guys, but you know that you came here tonight because you're looking to be healed. And this is for Christians and those that don't know Jesus yet. You're just asking God to do what he does best and to do healing in your life and to fix whatever's broken. And if you're hurting in a really bad way, and some of you guys, you might be fine. Uh, I'm okay. I know I struggle with the normal stuff, but I'm okay in here. Then maybe you don't have to do this. But if you're here tonight because you're feeling messed up and broken and you need healing and you really are saying, God, as a step of faith, I, I want to reach out to you and ask, Lord, specifically, that you'd help me through this right now and you'd bring healing and you know you're broken, I'm gonna ask you to do one thing. I'm just gonna ask you to stand where you are right now. In the room, if you're going, I am so broken, I am so hurt, I am struggling with something real bad, I need an extra special touch of your healing right now. Would you just stand right now wherever you're at? No shame. This is, this is you saying, God, I need you. Not about Carl, not about the church. Jesus, we're talking great physician here right now. 
So as you guys are standing, and, and that's awesome. I do see a lot of people standing. And don't do it because you're obligated. If you're good, you're good. But if you've got something big you're struggling with right now, I want to say a prayer over you because I need it myself. I'm standing here on stage, and I need it myself. And we're just going to pray together as God's people, as God's hospital, that trust in our great physician. So if you guys would just, um, as you're standing, I'm just going to say a prayer over all of us here right now. And I'm just going to ask, maybe you just put your hands in front of you as a sign to receive it. Just as a symbol to say, God, look, here I am. Hands are open. God, please help me. And here we go. God, right now, in Jesus' name, we believe in you. You are the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. You are the great physician, the healer. You are our Lord, our friend, our Savior, our King of kings. Lord, we surrender to you. And those of us right now that are standing, Lord, we especially need you right now in our lives. Lord, we're asking right now that you would be the great physician. Lord, this process of healing, Lord, for some of us, it seems like it's long. It seems like it's extra painful. It seems like it's confusing. Lord, for some of us, it, something just popped up and we're hurting. Whatever, Lord, we're just crying out. We have the faith to say we trust you and you alone. No home remedies, no us trying to solve our own problems. Jesus, we need you right now. We need an extra dose of your healing power in our lives. We are broken, God, and we're not afraid and ashamed to say it. We are surrendered to you. Because in that surrender, that's when you have the freedom to move in our lives. So right now, Holy Spirit, we're just asking you, come upon us, fill us up. Lord, touch us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet. Lord, touch the situations that are going on in our lives right now. Bring healing, bring restoration. Lord, bring back the joy, restore to us the joy of our salvation. Lord, knowing that you're on our side, that you saved us, that you got our back, that we can walk through this problem with victory, with peace, with knowing that you are sovereign, you're in control, the situation is still there, but God, we have peace in the midst of it and you're gonna walk us through it and you're gonna heal us. Lord, we claim that healing, we receive it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we know you are capable and we are asking in the mighty name of Jesus, heal us, Father God. Heal our situations, touch our lives right now. We need you, we love you. We thank you right now, Jesus, for what you just started in our lives right now as our hearts are open and asking and crying out to you right now. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that we would hear testimony after testimony because of this surrender, this prayer that we're doing right now. We ask all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's praise God for what God just started. And we're going to believe that God did something. I'm going to ask... Uh, I'm going to ask the rest of you guys to sit down right now and we're going to pray one more prayer and then we're going to let the worship team come on up here. But we're going to pray another prayer right now. And this is for those that want to meet with Jesus for the first time. Let's bow our heads. Lord, uh, we're here tonight, Father God, and we believe in you and we heard a good word and we know that you are the source of all power and of all truth and of all healing in our lives. And some of us in the room, it's our first time to acknowledge that, to believe that, to take a step towards you. Lord, some of us have been separated from you and we heard about you and we believe in you and something is prompting our hearts right now to put our faith in you and to trust you and to become a follower of Jesus Christ, a Christian. And I want to say a prayer right now if that's you in the room. If you're taking a step towards Jesus in the very first time ever and you're going, it's time I surrendered my life to God and let, let him do what he needs to do in my life. I'm going to follow him from here on out. Then I want to say a prayer with you. And maybe you're someone that used to know God a long time ago. Because I believe a lot of times we, we forget that um, we can recommit ourselves, that we've walked away for a long time. But God is waiting for us to come back. So maybe I'd include you in this prayer right now. If you've been close to God a long time ago and you're just like, man, I haven't had him in my life. I need to come back. I need to make a dedicated decision right here, right now before God and man to say, God, I surrender to you. So if that's you as well, first time or if it's been a long time and it's a solid, real rededication commitment, not something to be taken lightly, but you mean it with all your heart. I want to say a prayer with you right now. 
I'm going to say the words out loud. I'm not going to make you pray them out loud in front of everybody. I'm going to pray them out loud for you. You agree with me in your heart of hearts. God hears you. He will change your life starting now. You can go and testify and tell people, hey, I pray that prayer. But right now, it's a heart thing between you and him. I want you to just pray along with me the words I say out loud. You pray them in your heart. But I'm asking you to do one thing. You would just simply let me know that you're going to pray with me. People seated around you, their eyes are closed, their heads are bowed. But I want you to just own up to at least one person. That's me. And let me know, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to commit to Jesus right now. So when I count to three, I'm just going to ask that you would raise your hand and say, right here, Pastor Carl, look at me. I'm praying. I want Jesus right now. So on the count of three, if you just raise your hands, then we'll say that prayer together. Ready? One, two, and three. If you're in the room, keep them up. Right now, hold them up. I want to see you. I'm thanking God for you right now. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Keep them up. I'm looking around. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I'm looking around. If I miss you, no worries. God saw you. At least 19 people are in the room today. Put your hands down. Praise God. Amen. thank you. For those of you that just raised your hands, let me just say this prayer for you. But you join with me in your heart of hearts. You mean it. You mean it because you know you mean it. You mean it to God. You pray it to him with everything you got right now. He's waiting for you to say these words to him. So in your heart right now, you just make this decision what I'm going to pray out loud. God, I'm here tonight and I need you and I want you and I'm broken and I'm messed up and I'm hurting and I don't have you, you in my life. I don't have any help. I don't have any healing. And this church is supposed to be, be a hospital and I'm supposed to find healing power in you and in your people. God, I'm here and I'm asking right now, I want it. Lord, please do everything you need to in my life to change my life. I'm telling you right now in my heart, Lord, I believe that your son Jesus came to die on that cross to pay the price for my sins, my separation from you. Father God, Jesus died for all the sin in my life, the wrong, the, the life I leave, I live, that is just not in agreement with you. Lord, I believe that Jesus came and he put that to death and put that to rest. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, proving he is a son of God, proving that he had power over death, over sin, over guilt, over shame, over hurt, over depression, loneliness, um, heartache, Lord, addiction, all of that stuff that I struggle with. Lord, Jesus put that to rest in the grave. He paid the price for me so that I could have freedom in him. Lord, right now in Jesus' name, I believe that and I receive that. And Lord, I'm telling you from this moment forward, I will live in that all the days of my life. I will continue to learn about you. I'll read your word, Lord, to grow in truth. I'll commit to church and the body of Christ, Lord, this, this place that's a hospital that can help me and heal me and love on me and, and challenge me and just help me in my walk with you. Lord, I promise to be water baptized as a symbol of what's happening in my heart right now. Let, Lord, outwardly I could symbolize dying to my old self, being born a new creation. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with all the power of your Holy Spirit. I'm not signing up for a religious club. I'm signing up for a relationship with an almighty God that still does miracles to this day. And you can do them in my life, Lord. I want them. Lord, everything that you have for me, I'm saying yes to. I will live it out all the days of my life into eternity with you forevermore. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing my life starting this very night. I look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, the church said, amen. And we praise God for those people right now. Amen.